All right, welcome. It's Jeff Mayhew. It's John Beatty. It's Politics and Parenting, where we talk about politics, but we talk about it differently. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Jeff. So I don't. I think I've told this story many times before. Maybe not. Hopefully not. But uh, I had this math class in college, and we had this professor, and he'd come in after like uh, the beginning of the semester and after Thanksgiving, and he'd say, "Ladies and gentlemen, the vacation is over." So I was out in uh, rural. <laughs> rural Michigan and uh, small town Wisconsin this past week and now we're back home and let me tell you the vacation is over because school's starting soon and uh, one of the one of the highlights of this trip was um, you know I never got to do this growing up because I was too little but there's all these great little bars in this little town of uh, Kakana Wisconsin just south of Green Bay um, and so I got to like experience these with my parents they took us out to some of their favorite places and my aunts and uncles and um you know, they're, they're just different than like the Northern Virginia uh, bar scene. And, um, you know, like we go to Great Maine and uh, there's a lot of other like local breweries and, and wineries, but those are, you know, establishments for just one particular beverage. Uh, and then anything in Virginia, it's got to be a restaurant. So like you got food and all that stuff. But in Wisconsin, probably other places, but I've only really experienced in Wisconsin, they are just bars. Like there's no food. It's just a great place to hang out with people, shoot some pool. Um, have a couple drinks, um, play your favorite songs on the jukebox. Um, they're just like real wonderful, I would say blue collar uh, establishments. Um, so like we went to this one place, Club Ritz on the door, it says, keep it classy. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a dive bar for sure. It's, it's a lot of fun. And um, this is kind of my first time in one of these, in a place like this. And you, you really get a sense for like where, America is outside of like the Northern Virginia bubble. The fact that, um, you know, just people work their work their jobs. Uh, they, you know, have a blue collar career. They work in a factory. They work on a, on a line somewhere, and then they hang out afterwards. And um, you know, you sent me this song. What's it called? Richmond, North of Richmond. And um, I had not listened to that before this trip, but after listening to it after this trip, I just it really like. Uh, connected with me in terms of like what this guy's feeling he's talking about um and you write about this in this article it's going to come out this it's a song steeped through the money bureaucracies of record executives agents and algorithms to reach trending status through the many factions of our nation and it is so true he just talks about a divided country where you're, you're overtaxed your dollar doesn't go far enough there's government services that technically that those tax dollars are paying for but it's not really coming back to you in the same way that you can tangibly see someone else uh, get those benefits. And you just feel like you're disconnected and um, that the country's really tearing apart. So um, then that song came at the right time because I, I understand where outside of, of, if you will, the swamp, the North, we are the Northmen, North, we are the right. men North of Richmond. Um, you know, like you, you understand uh, how someone like, like Trump can be there. Cause you, you could imagine Donald Trump going to a bar like this and, as much as someone like Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy or um, Doug Bergman or Mike Pence, like any of them, or Joe Biden, think that they're gonna go to, well, maybe Joe would go to a bar like this. But like you, you know, like I don't see any of them going to a bar like this. But I could see Donald Trump at a bar like this and just coming up to the bar and be like, "Hey, I want to buy a a Bush Light for these guys because no one drinks Bud Light." But you know, I'm gonna buy a beer. <laughs> I'm gonna buy a shot for these guys. Um, and that was just. I, I I can see what's missing from our political establishment because people don't go to bars like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, it's been like a big pet peeve of mine with, because you talk about it on a federal level and a national level, and you mentioned DeSantis and Trump, but 
I look at it from a local level, you know, too. And the the problem that we have, like that I feel that Anthony, you know, Oliver Anthony is speaking about is is concentrated power. Now mm-hmm. we have concentrated power, like remember, we're we're one large republic and then we're several little republics. And right. we have concentrated power in every single one of our republics, right? And it tend in and you kind of have a little republican structure in every single district of your you know, of your state. So you have all these little like aristocracies, essentially. And I, I see this so much in, in the Northern Virginia where I live, the local power. And, you know, the, we, you know, we are the Richmond for North or North of Richmond. You know, we live North of Richmond. We're right in that like circle, but like, we're not part of it. You know, we're not part of the establishment. Um, and I just feel you know, Oliver is, he's striking at something that so, so many of us feel and are like, he, he talks about in it. And I write about in the article in his Facebook post about how like record executives, like they're not, they don't understand like why he doesn't want to just take the $8 million contract and take this. And it's like, dude, you're going to get this. And he's like, it's not about money. You know, it's about expressing my despair and my pain and sharing that with people as as a way to help. You know, like it's I didn't make this art for profit. I made this art for people. And we live in a system of concentrated power in every single area. Right. Whether it's journalism, the media, the elites. And, you know, I open up the, the, the article with that question. It's like, who really are the rich men from North of Richmond? And, and, you know, my opinion, it's all of them. It's, it's all the people who just aren't thinking about people. They're just thinking about profit. Um, And it, you know, like he says in his post, you know, people are tired of being divided. And they're tired of being ignored, you know? No, absolutely. I, I mean, like you can you can totally get the sense of like, there's what you see and the news and the movies and things. But if you're not partaking of that, if you're living outside of New York City and Los Angeles and sort of the, the Acela corridor, like you can really get a sense for um, being left behind. And uh, I mean, part of the the trip we did was we went through Michigan to the Uni- upper, Pensil- upper Peninsula and then back down. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we stopped in Ann Arbor, Michigan to just visit this, this hoity toity deli. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good meal, but it's like, it's like 20 bucks for a sandwich. Um, and, uh, that's, that's real pricey. And then you go, uh, to get your pasties on the upper peninsula and, um, they're like, uh, each pasty is almost a meal and it's like, uh, eight bucks a pop. Like, and then, you know, you buy, you buy two, you get one for half price. So it's just a totally different um, way of living almost. And I think that's part of it too, is, is you, you do get sort of in a bubble in terms of like, this is the people I live with. And you forget that people live differently, that people um, uh, experience life differently. And you just kind of think, well, you know, I live in a uh, very well-educated area. So everyone in the United States must be well-educated because Maybe I went through the public education system, so I'm just going to assume everyone else's public education was was the same. I got to go to a great university and college, and maybe it was a state school, uh, maybe it was a private school, and then you know, I uh, was able to pay my loans, or maybe I did some program where my loans got paid for me, uh, or uh, you know, Uncle Joe's coming to pay my loans. Some <laughs> like, you know, like 
there's just it's a different kind of world where you know i've got cousins that are out there like they're they didn't go to college and they're working on a factory floor like um one of my cousins was talking about uh we actually bonded over uh printers because he works for a book publishing like a manufacturer he's talking about like yeah i work the night shift and i go in and we got to print out the leaves and stuff and then you know i left and then then i come back it turns out like there was some big printer problems and i was like oh that sounds like my job a lot of printer problems like you know it's just like it's real work um and you know who knows that that book that he was publishing maybe it was some how to get rich quick scheme or something from some some person who hasn't really worked a day in their life you know um and i i just think like that's what 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 oliver anthony is is trying to talk about is is um you know like you talk about all these things but you don't actually you kind of talk at me and you don't really have compassion and you understand my listening. pain and suffering you know not listening right yeah I mean, you talk about he works for a book publisher right and like book publishing you know the more i learn about the publishing industry the more i see it as a scam right more than anything as as a controlled mechanism and like this goes back throughout history i look at you know the first uh, benjamin franklin and the printing press and yellow generalism and all this these different things has happened um because you know, when somebody like uh, Donald Trump Jr. writes a book that gets purchased by the RNC, nine hundred thousand copies, mm -hmm. you know, by donors, you know, like we talk about, we talk about how we're overtaxed, but like our political parties tax us, like you have to donate to them to get representation, like if right. you want, and and so like you're paying them to buy their own books and you're paying them to put money in their pocket, right? Like that's what that was. It's a, that is a tax. That's an RNC tax right there. And like, and there, the Republican party is supposed to be the party that represents us. It's supposed to be the party of the, of the, of the working class man and, and lower taxes and, you know, small leadership groups, but it doesn't seem that it's that way anymore. And, you know, <laughs> This guy that goes in and he's got printer problems, like you said, he could be working his butt off and thinking mm -hmm. he's making a difference, but the paper that's being printed is really just like it's going to get burned up, right? Because did anyone did anyone really read Donald Trump Jr.'s book? Let's be honest with you. Like I know authors in this community that have that should have books published. Like publishing companies should be like looking for young, talented artists, artists, uh, especially in this time frame, like. It'd be really good, uh, like I could see like a Mark Twain becoming very popular nowadays, right? Because he came about in the Gilded yeah. Age, he wrote about things. Like mm -hmm. they should be finding people like that to write about, but they're just giving book deals because they're going to sell money. And it's like, well, you know what? As long as I turn a profit, that's all that matters. And so what does that do? Right, it's they're they're in on the grift, so. They're in on the grift. And so what it does, does, it limits opportunity for other people to get their voice heard. and And that's a problem, you know? Like our nation is about opportunity. It's about debate and, and having discussions and conversations about difficult issues. And when you've got all these different power structures concentrated around this like one thing, which is it's gotta be profitable. You gotta be able to raise money mm -hmm. for the donors. You gotta be able to sell books. You gotta be able to do this. And it's like, well, if you're the party, shouldn't you go out there and just give a platform for the candidate to have a message? And if you're the publisher, shouldn't you go out there and sell the positive message so it is profitable as opposed to just taking the easy buck, you know, because at the end of the day, the guy working the printing presses is working his tail off. And the the person up in the, the ivory tower, you know, as Garth Brooks would describe mm -hmm. 
they may they may take a few extra vacations, you know, and they think that they work really hard. But man, for regular people, we look at that and we go, man, I I don't I could never do that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a bad spot where um, and I, I like what you talk about. And let me just read this quote where he says, um, a nation divided with no identity. I mean, like, I was just have, talking with someone uh, today about uh, how easy it is to criticize something. And I think we've gone through 100 years of criticizing everything and breaking everything down. And it's so hard to build things up. And I think we've all we're kind of grasping, because there we don't have those institutions, because we've spent so much time tearing everything down um just like he said uh, he, like he's this quote i spent all day every day for the last 10 years hearing the same story people are so damn tired of being neglected divided and manipulated and like isn't that the truth like um when you run for office all people want you to do is how are you going to divide it and be like oh joe biden is the worst nancy pelosi is the worst instead of trying to think like where are we going how are we going to make things better how are they going to um um improve our children's lives um you know uh this one article i was reading today it was talking about how you got like trump is sort of the uh the grievance guy all he does is complain about 2020 uh and then you got like vivek Ravaswamy and desantis are like going after woke um but and then the other people like don't really have a message and it's it's really it should be like uh what's the fix what am i going to fix when i get into office um and trying to understand that and i just you know, that's difficult to craft. That's something you got to think about. It's something that kind of you as a candidate have to worry to figure out and something that your consultants can't really put in your mouth. And, uh, you know, I would say that's why Trump is so genuine because he uh, he seems to believe what he what what he's talking about. And I think everyone else is just kind of saying what their consultants want them to say. No, I mean, I, that's a really good point. I mean, whether Trump does believe it or... <laughs> He's just really good at pretending, or he's just really well. He's yeah, he's an actor. I mean, like he's he's a TV personality. He knows yeah. how to play to the camera. He knows how to manipulate people to uh, get the emotions. And he's you know he spent 15, 20 years on TV beforehand, and however many years before that in manipulating people in real estate development deals in New York City, which is one of the toughest real estate markets. And like he knows how to tell people what they want to hear so that he can get what he wants. Um, right. Yes, I just don't think the other people have that. Well, yeah, but I mean, but the shame is, is like we have no leaders that are like actually listening, you know, telling people, mm -hmm. saying what people want to hear, which is like, again, it's diving into that anger and that frustration, but not giving a plan on how to like resolve the anger and the frustration. Like that's not real leadership. You know, I mean, you said like it's up to the candidate to craft a message. Well, like, you know, I make the point in my article, like the crux of divide in nations comes from a lack of understanding, you know, and that that division typically shows its head in republics as empires grow, and then the representation mm -hmm. isn't expanded, right? Because now, with a smaller group of people leading a larger group of people, it becomes easier to manipulate that group of people with money, because they need money to reach the people and back and forth, right? And that's kind of right. what we're sitting at right. here. So, you know, the message is is there. Like it's written on the walls of our history. It's no taxation without representation. It's the the you know, it's it's Plutarch and the division of all or the ailment of all republics is the uh the division of wealth between rich and poor, right? It's 
it's right mm-hmm. there for all of us to see for any candidate with you know a, a library to find out and yet we get nothing like we get we get nothing even you know i talk about it you go to lo- local local politicians and i i recently asked a a politician we were talking about campaign finance right that's a big issue because you know if you work on the campaign finance issue everything else kind of starts to fall into place right or if you work on the representation right. it all kind of starts to fall into place you're moving in the right direction and i asked about this i said you know and they go i'm very on board with campaign finance i don't take any money from big corporations and i was like do you take money from the party do you take money from PACs? Yes. Well, then you're taking money from big corporations. Like you can't use the system of money laundering, which is like we've talked about it before. That's what it is. So the yeah. the candidate can say honestly, although I made the point, right. I'm like it's not honest. You know it's not honest. The candidate can make the claim to their constituents that they are against big money in politics and they don't take money from big corporations. All the while, they're taking money from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Secure Virginia PAC or the Yunkin PAC. And if you go and you track where that money comes from, guess where it comes from? It comes from big corporations. And a lot of it you can't even find, you know, like they're shell companies. You have no idea what that is. So as a candidate, when you're, you know, you make that statement, it's, is it true? You know, are you really taking on the issue that you claim you're taking on? And how, like, how do you look, like, how do you look at yourself in the mirror, like being able to, to like claim yourself, like as a good leader to be like, Hey, I'm not doing this thing that I'm very clearly doing. And I'm not even really going to acknowledge that I'm just going to move on from it now. Well, there's one thing humans are good at. It is uh, not looking at all the details and <laughs> glossing over them and uh, ignoring the fine fine lines and pimples that sometimes appear. I mean, like, I think I I think I talked talked about this. Like, there's this North, there's this Virginia Realtors Association pack or some kind of realtor related pack, and it's like it is a it is a laundering scheme where you as a candidate say, "Well, I'm just taking money from this realtor association," but you can see like pretty much dollar for dollar, like 40,000 will come in from one person and then 40, 000, almost immediately 40,000 will leave to a particular candidate. So you can, you can, you can deny that you got it from a particular person. Maybe it's a developer or something, but um, it, it definitely, you can see the trail um, and just, it's just a way to, to obfuscate and hide and have some kind of veneer of authenticity. But in reality, um, you know, it's, you're just um, guilty of, 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 uh, taking money from the people you say you're not really taking money from. Yeah. And, and it goes back, I think the story I told a while ago on the pod about um, Eleanor and Sadie and like Sadie actively lied and Eleanor passively lied, right? Like Eleanor said nothing, but she knew the truth. Sadie said the thing that wasn't true. And it's like, Mm -hmm. which is worse. And then the reality is like, they're both bad. You know, like if you, right. If, if there's a reason to speak up and tell the truth, you should speak up and tell the truth. And I think, you know, if you're making the claim that you don't take any big money, money dollars, like either you are incredibly incompetent at your job to not understand the campaign finance system that you participate in, and or maybe not incompetent, but naive maybe would be the right word. Right. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of both. Or you're like, 
completely, you are actively, passively lying, right? So you're intentional about being quiet on certain subjects as to not implicate yourself. And it's like, take on the subject that you claim to believe in, which is fairness in campaign finance, you know, allowing people's voice to be heard. Right. Because Oliver, you know, it, it, he talks about it in his song, like, it's the rich men from Richmond, north of Richmond, right? It's the rich men. And it doesn't necessarily, he doesn't say that they're politicians. Like, they could be anyone that has the dollars to get something done. You know, uh, Donald Trump was talked about this a lot when he was running for office. He said, I donated to both parties because I, I paid right. people to do stuff for me. Like, I mean, he's telling us and he's been telling us for years what the issue is. And yet nobody, nobody's doing anything about it. Well, because it, what is it? Uh, you, what's that? There's some line, like the person who, um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, if you have a responsibility to fix something, but it's going to directly negatively impact you, you're not going to do it or some, there's some clever way of saying that, that now I feel silly for saying this, but um, just basically like, if it's your job to do something, you're going to find reasons to ignore things that might be detrimental to your job. I think it might be a more, uh, no, there's a better way to say it. I'll have to think of it, but I mean, no, like, I mean, it's I just like, if you're in the political establishment and you know that if I can raise a hundred million dollars, I can become speaker of the house because I can dole out that cash to everyone. You're going to spend your time doing that. And you're not going to um, necessarily represent your district or the United States other than the rich men that are donating to your, your uh, leadership pack um, that lets you uh, buy influence with other, with other members of Congress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> It's also like a matter of like humility, I think, in a large degree, is like this idea that if you win, you can make the change that you need. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my argument in, in the movement that we're trying to build is like, if I get elected to Congress, if I run for Congress and get elected, I can't do anything. Like, I'm not going to be able to get anything done. If I ran for president and won, maybe maybe I'd have a chance. But in all reality, like there needs to be like hundreds and hundreds of people like you and right. I, right? Running for right. office to make change. Like we have too, we have too few leaders and too many people. And we need to convert the, the followers, the people into leaders. That's the entire like idea of our Republic. And until our leadership starts to understand that and like welcome people in. Like that's my biggest issue with local leadership is if I go to a local politician and I go, I want to work for your campaign for free. You are my, you are running to be my representative and I, I will knock right. doors. I will make phone calls. I will help with fundraising. I will do whatever you need me to do. I just want to be in the room for the conversations when you're talking about my community. That's it. I just want to have a say. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of effort in. I put a lot of work in, and they just they just ignore you because, like we talked about, you know, in my Youngkin article, they don't need us. They need the money. They need the the endorsement from the bigger candidate. They need the fundraising dollars. So we're completely left out of the of the process. 
you know, regular Americans, blue collar Americans, white collar Americans, you know, families, parents, teachers, police officers, you know, military, we're all left out of the conversation because we can't pay for representation. And, you know, Donald Trump is running for president and telling us how the system works and everybody just handed over their power to him. Nothing changed. And here we are sitting in a worse situation than we, than we were before, right? Because now the power changed back to the other side. And again, it's just right. all it is. It's a power changing system. The people have none. Well, the power changed and everyone, the game's up. So people are less willing to relinquish it. I think, um, you know, you it was probably an aspect of kind of going along and maybe you thought, well, if I go along, I'll still get a bit from, from that. And I think now that um, he's out of power, everyone's doing everything they can to keep him out of power, um, as we see. Um, and I, I just think like there's going to be even a bigger pushback. And I, I think um, it's just... It, the incentive is for ever for everyone is for to go back to the status quo because it's quieter, it's easier for them, and they can still make make their their skim of of all the donations and campaign money that comes sloshing around. Well, and I think that's kind of how Trumps got through before, right? He was able to, you know, we talk about concentrated power. He concentrated the power of donations into his favor. He tr he concentrated mm -hmm. the power of fame and fortune into his favor. You know, like regular Americans can't do that. You know, you're not going to be able to, you know, you you have to get help. And when you when you show up to the politician, to the local politician, you say, hey, I'm not the leader here, but I got some information I think leaders should know about. Can we talk about it? And they go, nope. <laughs> you know, like, I don't have time for that. I got a door knock. I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know on a local level, because every politician that I talk to says, that they they um their door knocking percentage of people to you know to answer the door when they go out knocking is around 30 percent now i would qualify those numbers as bs somebody is inflating those nobody showed me real numbers i don't oh, see tracking but i've door knocked a lot and i would say the percentage is much lower than 30 percent. but let's say it's 30 percent. a local candidate recently posted that they had knocked i think somewhere around six thousand doors so six thousand so he's talked to 1,800 people in his campaign since May. 1,800 people. I would argue I talked to that many sitting at coffee shops and breweries in, I don't know, a month, you know? <laughs> and I got notes and documentation, you know? <laughs> it's like the the candidate just throwing out numbers. And it's like, the other thing is the person at the door didn't want to talk to you. They didn't, right. they didn't care they, about you're, what you are going to their, they're going to your, you're going to their space and they're busy and no, I, I, it's totally right. And, and, but the person at the bar or the person at the coffee shop that's sitting alone, like a lot of people go there because, you know, maybe they want to get away from their family for a little bit. Sometimes I do that. Maybe they want to have some conversation with people. Maybe they want to like have a debate. I mean, you talked about like the dive bars. It's just, it's just a place where people come together, right? Well, it's the yep. same thing for a brewery mm -hmm. or a coffee shop. It's just a place where people come together and people that want to come together typically want to have dialogue, you know, and they're more open to having that dialogue with people. And, the, you know, it's my whole frustration with the system is like you you spend your entire campaign knocking doors to speak to a fraction 
of the people you could if you actually and a, a targeted talk. fraction too like you're not you're yeah. not trying to talk to everyone you're trying to talk to whatever your your uh tar- you know whoever you're targeting and usually it's just your base and maybe some people that you think would be sympathetic like you're not trying to reach a new audience and you're not trying to bring a maybe hear what people outside of your what your perceived coalition is you are strictly going with people that are going preconceived to agree with what you're going to say and so when you knock on that door and you say uh we should lower taxes and they say yeah we should lower taxes like well there we go 100 percent of the people i talked to the door said we should lower taxes (laughs) right they they so and that's that's such a great point john because what you know the politicians will say is, is jeff people don't care about this and and you're right what do they know? They don't know what people care about because they only talk to the people they want to talk to. Like they only knock mm-hmm. the doors. When you get a walk list from the Republican Party, which I've never done a walk list for the Democratic Party, but I bet you it's the same. If you get a Republican Party walk list, it's like every third house, right? It's It's got an American flag on it. Like it is, you are, they analyze you as a person. They, if you voted for them or you've clicked on anything on the internet, they know who you are. They target you and they come talk to you. And if you don't fit into their bubble, they just ignore you. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like, how are you silenced as a citizen? How are you unrepresented as a citizen? It is when your power structure ignores you flat out. And, 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 you know, I, I made the argument to one of my local representatives. I said, look, man, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I've been trying to talk to you about these issues. I've invited you to come on the podcast and you're just ignoring us. You're ignoring me and I'm your constituent. And the campaign manager responds back with, well, you know, he's knocking doors and da, da, da. And I'm like, when are you going to knock my door? You're telling me you're you're telling me that I'm not important. You're telling me that these other people are important. And it's like your job is to represent all of us. And if you're saying and and this is the thing that really frustrates me the most, what they say back is there's too many people. I can't talk to them all. Mm-hmm. And I go, I know. <laughs> that's the problem we have. You acknowledge the problem that we have and yet you don't want to talk about it and how to solve it. I have this idea I can help craft legislation. I can help educate people in our community to get behind this idea and vote for you if you were to give me the opportunity to work for my community, to work for you for free. But no, they take the fundraising dollars and they pay some, you know, kid that's been to college for freaking five years to come out and run their campaign that's from the, you know, like the the swamp. The elites, you know, they go the the uh, the intellectuals, you know, the college born, whatever it is that that blue collar America doesn't like. This is where our power structure comes from. Right. Yet these they're able to coalesce people like Oliver and me and you to vote for them in elections, because what are you going to do? You know, I got a message today. Right. Jeff, how can you possibly disagree publicly with one of our Republican candidates, what are you gonna what are you telling people to go vote for the Marxist Democrats? And I'm like, look, <laughs> Marxism, you know, like at its core, it's about silencing debate and it's about limiting opportunity. And when you're telling me I can't speak and I don't have a chance to speak with my representative, you've done both to me. What is the difference between voting for the Marxist Democrat or the Marxist Republican? Like they just want power. They don't want anything else. 
no I, I, too much of what i see is it's um it's what is it both sidesism and it's sort of well they do it so we're gonna do it i mean this whole early absentee program that virginia is uh, uh glenn youngkin's trying to push like they're like well the democrats do it so we gotta do it. i mean like oh yeah that's where is the um where's the leadership in that i mean really you're just you're just following the other team and upset that you're not the one in power so you're gonna throw a little any fight and you're going to uh you know do what you can to try to i don't know go toe to toe with them because you've got nothing else i mean like again like you said with like silencing dissent like well the other team silences dissent so so we're gonna do that like well and i thought thought all the the rhetoric is that like oh there's the other side is so bad and it's like well and then we're just gonna do everything they do so well and so like the thing that really you have no credibility at that point what ir- really irritates me about this is it was so easy to see because did you knock doors for Yunkin when he was running for governor? I think so. Yeah, I did a little bit. Of- Do you yeah. remember there was only one question like it was there was like five questions to the questionnaire and they were all about like, who are you going to vote for your delegate? Who are you going to vote for your representative state representative every the the attorney general vice whatever it was just like who are you planning to vote right, for right. questions and then the last question was about absentee voters it was about it was about early voting and overwhelmingly every republican that i questioned was okay with it so the moment that i realized that i was like oh that's what youngkin's doing he's testing the waters to see if he can get away with what the democrats get away with which is exactly what all of the republicans complain about they complain about the exactly and all these things but they like they sell their soul away and they go well we gotta do it because the other guy's doing it and it's like you're just becoming the you know and I, look, I'm not calling the other side evil. I'm just saying this is what the Republicans perceive. You're 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 calling them evil, and then you're becoming the evil. And it's like, at least, at least do me a favor and don't call them evil. You know, like that would at least make it better. Yeah. For me. Or if you do truly believe they're evil, then don't become the evil that you are railing against. You know, since I've been in politics, I have watched the Republicans evolve into the Democrats. And and that Yunkin secure your vote is just like the the next step in the ladder of the democratic structure that they brought in to the Republican Party. Yeah, just the machine uh, trying to control. It. Like, I think you had this article. I just read the headline, but it's like you know, it's it's a government for the parties and by the parties, and, and that's what we're where we're at. Um, it's not an effort, you know. Again, if you really cared about securing elections, I think you'd find a way to figure out to get more people into the polls, but also have some kind of uh, uh, ability to check who someone is. But if you're just going to sign everyone up for permanent absentee ballots and send them to their house and have them sign something and mail back in, how is that any different than what we've complained about since 2000? I mean, like, it's frustrating, hypocritical. It drives, drives me crazy. Yeah, I agree. So um, let's talk about something a little bit more happy. The politics thing. Gets- back to school. There's nothing more happy than back to school. Uh, yeah, back to school's good. Um, my kids are excited to go back. Uh, we got to meet 
Eleanor and Sadie's teachers yesterday because we were at an event in Haymarket uh, with our good friend Leslie Salmon of Salmon Home Realty and Go Going Gainesville, who's partnering with us to do the uh, Madisonian uh, Small Business Showcase on September 16th. Uh, my family and I went out with her uh, to this event in Haymarket that she was co-sponsoring and kind of helped. Uh, we passed out some some invitations for the Madisonian, uh, for the Small Business Showcase, and we got to talk to a lot of people. There was a little summer concert in the park in Haymarket. Um, they had small businesses there, kind of like what we put on, uh, but uh, Truvai, one of our brewery, uh, our favorite breweries was there. Great Maine was there. And uh, it was a good experience. You know, I love being able to like be in the community and talk to people. Um, my, you know, watching my wife and kids work is always fun for me. I always take a lot of uh, joy in how much effort they put into things and how seriously they take helping others. Um, we showed up and, you know, just right off the bat, my son, Oliver, just started helping people set up, right? He's He's helping uh, set up tents and move heavy objects for him. And before the end of the day, like he ends up staying at one of the, one booth and just working the booth, right? Like he's running the register for the booth because it was busier than expected. And he offered to help. And, you know, like a, a smart, small business owner never turns away help, right? And, and I'm good with it. Like I want my son to have that experience if somebody give him the opportunity to showcase his abilities his labor um because it's really like it's all we as individuals have is our labor you know some of us are born with capital but everyone is born with labor um and you should take mm -hmm. take some pride in that ability um so it was cool to see him do that it was cool to see my girls they were passing out stuff and um they had a they had a really cool like band lead off this concert and they must have been like they look like high school students and if, if you if whoever listens to this and you're not a high school student and you're older I'm, i apologize but from a distance from an old man's eyes they all look like high school students and they played like 90s and 2000s punk rock it was blink 182 it was lit and they were they were good there was like seven of them on stage they must have had every instrument under the sun and they were loud and but they were very good very good it was it was pretty cool to see my girls love dancing to it. Do they have any, bra any brass? Do some ska on there too? Uh, no. There was no ska or no, no brass, no. but they had some, no ska, had some okay. country artists come up after, you know, which, you know, they were great as well. I just was really blown away by the young kids at the, stop, at the top. I'm always, I'm always impressed when young people can get up and and put themselves out there like that. And it's very clear that those young people have put a lot of work into their music because they're playing, you know, difficult songs very well, mm -hmm. you know, very, very well. So, and I'm, I'm a little snob for music. So I'll, you know, I'll tell it like it is. <laughs> well, that, that is a challenge with covers too, because if you, you're trying to get something that's similar and either you do it completely differently and put your own time in it, or you got to like match it almost beat for beat. Otherwise um, it just kind of, it doesn't ring, doesn't ring true. So yeah, I, I would agree. Like seeing your kids um, helping out is wonderful. Uh, it's, uh, you know, now that summer is slowly winding away, like we're, we're trying to get back into some kind of groove and it's being away from home for a week is, can be tough to, 
to stuff. And so I feel like I have to like retrain my sons and how the, the kitchen should be clean and how the house should be kind of organized. Um, and, you know, we're just trying to divvy out chores. Uh, we had to, we had mowed the lawn in a while cause we've been out and, um, it was rainy and stuff. Like there was like grass was like this, this tall. And so like, um, you know, that was a, a good opportunity to kind of farm that out to my son, get him mowing while I was edging around and, and using the chainsaw to cut up some branches and thing, clean up the yards. Um, you know, if you don't, if you don't prune stuff, um, it gets wild. And, uh, you sent me this poem, um, from our good friend, uh, and, uh, was talking about just tending a garden of your heart. And that uh, was really, it was a really nice poem. Um, you know, that was, uh, Craig Stewart, one of the Madison Republicans, um, just talking about like, sometimes you're in love and, or you think you're in love, but you're not quite in love. Um, and, you know, like, I think so much of life is about sort of that constant tending of whatever has been placed in front of us. And if it's the front yard of your house, if it's your kids' well-being, if it's your kids' education, you know, being, you know, as people like to say, parents matter, like, you know, you got to be involved in that. And you just, by by implying or by saying that parents matter, that means that we as parents are responsible for making sure our kids stay on top of whatever work and assignments they get and making sure that, uh, you know, if they, um, if they do their best, really, you know, if, and try to do their best with whatever uh, assignments come to them. And that's helping 10 cash register at a booth for, you know, you just got to do your best in that. And uh, it's it sounds really good that, Oliver was given that responsibility that he stepped up to it and, um, you know, was able to help someone out, uh, in their need. Yeah. Um, yeah, that poem, I, I, Craig, you know, Craig, Craig's a good friend of mine. We have the, uh, the, what the book po podcast together where we read, uh, we read this, uh, Ender's game. Um, so we recorded that podcast on Thursday. I think it'll come out sometime next week, but yeah, i I read that poem. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's like, I'm a habitual person. I really think Craig is a very talented writer, especially when it comes to poetry. And every Saturday morning, he does this thing called a poetry drop. If you subscribe to our uh, Substack, you've probably seen me. I did one once just because I, I emulate things I like. Um, and the poem that he wrote this weekend or shared with us this weekend, it wasn't written this weekend, but it was shared with us this weekend. It was so good. Uh, we should drop it in the... Uh, in the show notes for the podcast. So, so our viewers can list, uh, take a read of it. And there's a podcast version as well. You can listen to it. And, you know, you talk about like, we have to tend to our garden, right? And, and you, you were referring to his poem and, and whatnot. And like, how do we tend to our garden in relationships? And I think that is talking, it's conversation, you know, and that goes for a one-on-one -on -one relationship between a husband and a wife a father and son, you got to talk out your issues, you know, and then it goes to larger issues. Like it goes between the people and the leaders, you know, the, the, the representatives of the state and the representatives of the federal government, you know, like having discussions and debating, listening to the constituents, sharing information, because at the end of the day, if you got a problem, you got to put it out there on the table. We're each responsible to mm -hmm. speak up. You know, I think the biggest misconception is that leaders are just supposed to do what the people say, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like leaders should listen to what the people say and then leaders should speak back to them and go, well, what about this idea? You know, like I, I feel your frustration. I agree with you, but 
I think you're pointed in the wrong direction because, you know, maybe the leader has information that the follower doesn't that, you know, because the followers yeah. are doctors, the followers are mechanics, the followers are everybody else that's an expert in their field, you know, but they're not experts in politics. Right. They're not experts in government more than anything. And I think it's the responsibilities of the leaders to be like, all right, I hear you. Now let me speak back. And I see too much that they just echo. You know, they, like you pointed out, they knock the doors that they want to knock. They hear the thing that they want to hear. And then they echo it back. And we're left. And then they pat themselves, they pat themselves on the back and say, oh, knocking next, knocking 6,000 doors. Well, no, they take pictures and they post it on their social media <laughs> video. So people think they're doing something of value when I can tell you that knocking doors has no real value other than to win somebody in office. You know, and and I would I would argue that's not even really the thing that makes the difference. Uh, at the end of the day, it it if you run the numbers, you know, based on what the politicians give you, then they're not talking to enough voters to actually make a difference. You know, because no election is decided mm -hmm. by eighteen hundred votes. I mean, I take that back. Yes, elections are absolutely decided by eighteen hundred votes, depending on where you are. But how about this? They're decided in these districts that I'm discussing. They're decided by much more yeah. historically. You know. Yeah. <laughs> No, they tend to, yeah, they tend to skew one way or another, um, which is, which is unfortunate because that, that you're setting yourself up to lose anyway, then if you're just going to target your, who you think are going to support you anyway, like, where's the opportunity to try and bring people along with you and to maybe get them to flip? Because um, you got to, yeah, I just think like, so much of what we are told about politics is like, well, this person is X. And that there is no possibility for them to change. There's no possibility. But I, I think all of us have had some some issue that we thought about. And then the more we thought about it, the more we talked to the people, we said, well, maybe maybe there's something to that. Um, and uh, and I, I think um, any opportunity to talk with someone else to listen uh, gives you an opportunity to maybe respond and maybe or just maybe rethink um, your position on something and so that you can be a better leader. Yeah. And, you know, that brings us back to, to the event that I went to yesterday and mm -hmm. we need more leaders. And like, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're listening to this and it's like, I don't want to run for office. And it's like, you don't have to run for office to be a leader. You can be a leader in so many different areas. I mentioned our friend, Leslie, she's a leader in the community. She brings people together she, I mean, I got to sit and hear people come up and speak to her that have used her services in the community. And they're like, do you remember, like, we spoke on the phone, like, you just called me, you know, it's, you know, because of a lead or whatever. And we ended up speaking for an hour and a half. You know, we had this great conversation and you helped me at, with X, Y, and Z, right? Like, none of that stuff was her job. But she took the time mm -hmm. to listen to that person. And because she had information that was helpful to that person, she gave it to him and did it is it going to turn out into a sale and business for her in the long term hopefully you know because i feel like she works hard and she tries and and you know if you're going to give that type of value back i hope the customer comes back for that um but she's not doing it just for the sale like in, in all like if you sit right. down with her and there's other people in our community that do this as well you know um there's a uh, Old Town Strong out in, in Manassas, they do stuff like this all the time. Like they put on events, they raise money 
for specific needs in the community. They know the people that they're helping. You know, it's 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 this discussion. It's like, what can we do to help out our community? How can we bring people together? And and it's not it's not for profit. You know, and if you're out there and you want to be a leader, there are opportunities. You know, I think what I tell you know my fellow small businesses is like, you're a leader. You have a group of people that come to you for your expertise and you should lead them and take pride in that. Um, it doesn't mean that you're better than anybody, you know, like no leader is better than anybody that follows and vice versa. It's just a matter of like, this is your responsibility at this moment. Later, maybe you'll be the follower and they'll be the leader, right? Maybe you train them to take over your job, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, a give and take. It's supposed to be a, a conversation, a working together situation, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then so my little my little ones are stepping up and trying to fill that void already. You know, they're like, hey, you know, something needed to be done. I'm going to get to work, you know, and that as a father, that makes me very happy because they work hard at home and they, you know, it shows in their grades. Um, it shows in the way that their teachers talk about them. Um, my girls went to uh, Hope and Serenity Farm every like Friday Uh, during the summer as like a little camp thing the girls love horses and uh, a couple when we picked them up a couple weeks ago they were they were mucking the stalls and uh oh wow the you know they're six years old they're they're mucking the stalls and the 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 volunteer that was there told my wife they're like hey your girls they work hard like they have a strong work ethic you know we and my wife's like oh okay you know and they're like, no, like, seriously, like they did like real work, you know, and like they did it good. Like um, they came back and they were like, hold on, I got to go back. I missed this pile over here. Let me take care of that. And I'll tell you what, I took them to work with me and I put I put a, I took the the shovel out of the hand and I put a broom in and they they swept up thread in my shop. And I'm like, man, they are pretty capable little six year old girls. And it's like, that's cool to see. You know, it's cool to see the growth of your children. It's cool to see them be able to take care of themselves a little bit and then take care of themselves to a point where they're they're not a dependent anymore. They are now like they're a positive to society. They're giving something back to the world. Um, they're not just taking anymore. They're not little parasites. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. We had little Rose today at church was helping she's six also. And she was helping hold the baby during you know, during church when um, everyone else is kind of squirrely. Like you just need someone to hold a baby. And and she was able to contribute that small amount, but it was so, um, so good for Katie and I. So oh my it God, is, yeah. it is nice for the kids to kind of like get involved and start um, helping pull some weight around. Yeah, for sure. All right, John, I think, I think we're winding down here. Uh, anything else? You want to talk about the vacation is over. That's vacation. That's right. School starts tomorrow. (laughs) New life. Got to get up extra early to get those kids. I got one in high school now. Oh, it starts so early, John. It starts so early. Just talk to your school board representative about that. Oh, man. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like they won't listen. (laughs) They're just, they're just managing the bureaucracy. That's all. (laughs) See, I wish they were actually like, but I think most of the time they're like running for office, but not all of them. We know some school board representatives who represent (laughs) sometimes when they can. 
when the when the algorithms let them. <laughs> um well uh we've got our great main show uh great main small business showcase coming up on september 16th we'd love for you to join us uh we've got many uh businesses signed up to be there we've got a kind of restructured it this time we're going to have a food truck out uh patches of earth um and they will be offering two dollar pork sandwiches limit one per per person um and you can RSVP at the Madisonian Facebook page, or you can go to the Great Main Facebook page and RSVP as well. We've got a shared of eight uh, event and going Gainesville. Um, so we'd love to see you out there. Come out for some great beer. Come out for some great food, some good conversation, maybe some healthy debate. You never know. Um, but, you know, like I, I tell people all the time, Great Maine a, is a good family environment. It's a good place where people just like to come together and talk and get along. Um, I I love sitting there and talking to the people who walk in the door. Republicans, Democrats, people that don't even pay attention to politics and don't care about anything, right? Like just hearing all of their different stories is really great. And I just kind of want to bring that to a larger audience in the community. So I'd love if you can come out and join us. Um, John, what are you looking forward to most for our uh, our event? Uh, I think it's going to be a nice setup. I think we're improving some of the things that could have been proved to be uh, just more compressed. So, uh, you know, you, there won't be, um, you know, when you get there, we'll, we'll have people around. I think, um, again, just having more different businesses would be great. And I think uh, one of the things we're going to improve is the sound. So you can, uh, we can hear everything. So I think it'll just be, you know, I think the previous version was a lot of fun and, um we're just kind of making some minor tweaks just to make it a more enjoyable time for everyone. So, you know, if you came out last time, you're going to love this one even more. That's all my guarantee. I guarantee it. <laughs> all right. Politician making promises, read my lips. <laughs> all right. Um, for those of you, you can, uh, if you like the show, please share it. Uh, Politics and Parenting, we have a Substack and podcast. You can find us on Apple and Spotify if you're listening. Maybe you already know this. Uh, if you could, if you like the show, take some time to write a comment, leave a review, maybe give us a star rating. I think like there's always stars up there. I'd really love a five, but I'd settle for a four, you know, just anything really. Um, <laughs> anything that's honest. Um, but uh, yeah. I think that's that's it for the show. Um, anything else, John? No, just enjoy the end of summer. Yep. And however little luck that is for everyone. Good luck at school tomorrow. Peace and love. <laughs>